Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, everyone. So we're back slightly earlier this week with a rather unprecedented Thursday deadline in the offing. After another wild weekend in fantasy football, topped off by what we thought would be a banger, Liverpool versus Man United, and turned into a rather soporific affair. Yes, my daughter fell asleep during the game. Um, and I was very close to dropping off as well, but I knew I'd be coming on to pod. So got some naughties in the, in my ear and was dancing around like a bit of a lunatic earlier on, just woke myself up. But I've got a beer now. So all good. Uh, as you can see, if you watch on YouTube, we're joined this week for our annual Christmas episode with my good friend Mark, aka FPL General. I've never heard of him before, but you know, I hear that he's fairly well known. Um, he's known by, at FPL General on, on all platforms. Uh, welcome to the pod, Mark, for your fifth, sixth annual appearance. All the right. Yeah, good to be back. My my favorite podcast of the year. I always look forward to this one. I was trying to figure out today actually how many consecutive Christmas episodes we've done, uh, and it's definitely at least five. So yeah, we'll do something to see if this is is the double hat trick. But um, pleasure to be here, and good to meet Sam as well. I've been really enjoying the podcast this season, so uh, it's good to join you guys for for this episode. Yeah, great to have you on, Mark. It's a, a pleasure to meet you for the first time as well, properly, obviously. As many fans of FPL have um, been tracking you and your performances for years. So uh, one of the very first accounts I think I followed when I first created a, a Twitter account, alongside Tom as well, actually. So it's all come f- full circle for me, um, which is a nice early Christmas present. But delighted to have you on. And uh, as always, we are Who Got The Assist. On today's pod, uh, we'll be doing a few tactical pods um, on our way through Christmas, th- this whole period. But this is maybe the last chance we've got for us to zoom out a little bit. So we'll be thinking through our plans for both the Christmas period and also how we're beginning to plan for the loss of Salah and Son and Co for AFCON and the Asia Cup in January. Uh, we've also obviously got some uh, general words of advice about Christmas, the bold claims and listener questions to come. And just so everyone's aware, the podcast is being recorded on Sunday, the 17th of December, after the Liverpool Man United snooze fest um, finished about two hours ago now. So I think bonus points uh, for the majority of games, at least, are in. Um, So with that, I think we can move on to scores on the doors, right, Tom? 
Yes, we can indeed. Obviously, there's OFPL tweeted tonight that the game week is still open, depending on what they decide to do about the Bournemouth Luton game. Um, so this is all kind of conditional on that in terms of the ranks and the overall scores. Because I know Mark, you've got Solanke, um, but still, um, this is as kind of as close as we can get at this time. Now, I listen to your pods, the fifth, fifth night minute podcast, pretty much uh, every week. I listen to both of them, Mark, and um, both normally in the evenings when I put my daughter to bed. So you are synonymous with screaming in my face. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've been following your progress and you've had a really good season thus far, haven't you? I mean, 71k and wildcard also in the pocket too. This must be kind of right on track for expectations, really. Maybe even beyond them. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm probably ahead of where I would usually be at this point. Um, certainly thinking back to some of my best ever seasons, maybe I was around 100k at this point or, or slightly better off. But I've certainly come from further back to have you know really good finishes, top 10k, etc. So it's it's going very well. Uh, I've managed to kind of just fix the weakest link as often as possible without having to play the wild card. And you know, a couple of things have fallen in my favor recently that have allowed me just to hold on to it. So. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be a game at 19 or game at 20 wild card. Mm. Things are going well. Uh, things went well this week. I think, you know, it's whatever way things shake out FPL-wise this week, it will be basically a grey arrow or a small green arrow. I've got the I've got the Gordon comfort blanket as a first sub if he's needed. Kind of regretted putting him there anyway when I seen him in the starting team. So it was. I took my, my second minus four of the season this game week. I brought in Saka and Solanke for Haaland's and Marvelous Nakamba. So initially I was just going to sell Gordon for Saka and then I realized I've got loads of cash for Haaland so I'll keep Gordon for possibly game 18 and game 19 Uh, and you never know, he might end up in the 11 uh, at the end of this game anyway. So basically, uh, like yourself recently, Trippier and Saka were always kind of fearful. I was always fearful of them each weekend. They were always my biggest threat. So Trippier was suspended this week I brought in Saka with a minus four and I kind of knew things couldn't go too badly because I kind of covered all my bases and it was kind of, it's kind of a pretty safe approach now until I wildcard and then maybe you never know I might get adventures with one or two picks. Cool. Nice one. And Sam, I think you you and Mark both scored similarly this week, didn't you? Yeah. In fact, dead on the same. Dead on, yeah. So obviously I don't have a Solanke, so mine is very much a final um, 61 points. Well, 65 with uh, my second minus four of the season as well, taking out Haaland and finally getting rid of Matty Cash after several weeks of torture from him. So getting rid of him was quite a nice feeling. Pedro Porro coming in for him, eight points, uh, sneaking those two bonus uh, for Spurs, even without an attacking return, was a nice and quite welcome surprise. Um, the one slight annoyance was leaving uh, Lascelles on my bench with uh, the clean sheet there. But overall, I'm pretty happy with the decisions I made. Um, Watkins came in, obviously got the last minute winner or last few minutes winner um, and maximum bonus there. So pretty happy with that. Got the money in the bank ready to do a straight swap for Haaland from Darwin in a couple of weeks, hopefully when he's back uh, around game week 19 or 20. Um, but yeah, I'm trying not to be too aggressive with my hits this season. So taking a minus four was reluctant this week, but I feel like it was necessary considering the state my team was in. And I'm quite glad that at least with cash starting, he didn't go on and get some sort of haul because then that would have maybe left a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth, um, knowing that the minus four was mainly to sort out that problem. So yeah, overall pretty happy. Um, But yeah, LaSalle's getting the clean sheet was maybe the one dampener on an otherwise pretty nice little green arrow going into game week 18. 
Nice one, nice one. And I wasn't too far behind, I was two points behind you guys. So 63 months for a 25k rank rise or so uh, to about 375k-ish, something like that. Same mm -hmm. Sam, uh, Poro and Watkins came in for Gabora in Holland. Uh, another hit, but a nice outcome there in removing a non-playing player in Holland. An AFCOM worry and a, ben a weak bench individual, weakest link in Gabore and strengthening my bench all in one go. The issue is my benchy this week was Saliba. I played White, who got five points, got yellow cards. Saliba got seven, which left me two points down on both of you guys. Uh, I do it again, but it's hilarious that Ben White is still creating negative outcomes five weeks on from my initial mishap in signing him. Uh, so yeah, that's always a fun one to keep an eye on. And elsewhere, um, yes, uh, big performances by Paul Palmer this week, uh, Watkins coming in actually scoring, which is all very, very nice. And Gordon getting that assist, uh, which meant that, you know, I, I didn't feel too bad about benching Saliba. It was, it was really close to the two of them. And uh, Sam, you taught me into playing Gordon. It could have been more. I think he hit the bar in the first, in the first half as well. So it could have been a lot more there. Um, Marcinelli and Darwin uh, still stinking up my team. There's a bit of a contrast there, though, that Marcinelli looked very good today, just not getting the points as, as he has done for the last sort of few weeks. But Darwin looking like an utter donkey, to be honest. I'm very lucky not to get a red card because he got the yellow yeah. card and then started kind of applauding the officials, which this season is scoped to be sent off straight away. So, yeah, never again. I'm looking forward to using them both uh, to get Holland back in a couple of weeks, as we'll discuss. But yes, uh, still going in the right direction, though. I'll, I'll take a small green arrow anytime uh, over a red. Right. OK, uh, shall we move on to, well, quite a lot to talk about this week. I think the first thing maybe um, is to sort of kind of just do some kind of general sort of Christmas advice before we move into the meteor sort of planning ahead. As I mentioned earlier on, probably the last time uh, during the during the kind of um, Christmas period that we more sort of tactical stuff, what we're doing this week and what's just happened, just reacting to that and answering questions. This one's, a, we were able to kind of zoom out and think about a little bit more. Uh, FPL Shoreham, uh, he said, you know, I've got a bit of a broad question, but what have been your most effective strategies in the past over the congested Christmas period, um, i.e. go aggressive or stay in the peloton? Um, and I think there's a really interesting angle to it this time round with the I guess, required return of a particular individual in Erling Haaland in most people's cases. I, I don't think any of us have the cojones uh, to go without Erling, uh, especially if he plays in Saudi Arabia, comes back, has Everton, and then uh, a nice fixture against Sheffield United straight away. Um, but we do have different situations here. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Mark's got his wild card, so he's able to manoeuvre a little bit easier um, to get to, to Haaland, whereas Sam and I don't have our wild cards um, to play right now. And I think it's probably one that we wouldn't be <laughs> looking to activate ASAP. Uh, I think it comes around the game 21, doesn't it? I don't think we'll be spending a wild card then. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting kind of situation, isn't it? And Mark, I guess you're kind of ready to go. Um, I can't see you really sat there on Christmas Day <laughs> and being able to get away with doing a wild card. <laughs> no, <laughs> unless trouble. unless Mrs. General has one too many sherries on Christmas Day and she KOs and I, I've got some unexpected extra time Christmas night, but Unlikely. I think this is going to be just one of those occasions for me where um, real life will probably just come first. And when I've got a choice of whether to wildcard in 19 or 20 anyway, just give myself the extra game week of information because I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of things at play here. I've sold Haaland like many others. And when I did sell him, I kind of looked ahead at the fixtures and I thought... Can I can I survive without him in game week 19 away to Everton? And, and I think I'm comfortable with that. Uh, I think I probably captained someone else that week anyway. So I know famous last words, but how much damage can he do to me in one game week? It obviously could be a lot, but I'm gonna I'm willing to just take that risk, go without him for one week, and then definitely get him back 
with a wild card in game week 20 for the Sheffield United fixture. And it's kind of just nicely tied with, you know, we're going to have to do with Salah and Son around that point. I think around game week 21, they hit away. So it's probably a case of maybe yeah. getting Haaland back a week later than planned and maybe selling Salah a week ahead of planned. And just hopefully okay. that that's not punished too much. So, you know, most likely a wild card to set up for game week 20, losing Salah for the Newcastle game, which gets Haaland back in and then hopefully leaves me a couple of steps ahead, maybe of those who don't have a wild card who are maybe scrambling a bit more to get Haaland in when I can then hopefully focus on a few other targets. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know what, having the wild card this long, it just takes the stress away. Haven't really had to think too much about what I'm going to do because I'll just play that chip 19 or 20 and, you know, figure it out then. So it's it's been quite nice. It's made these uh, couple of games quite stress-free because, you don't have to think about too much about Gimme 21 onwards, etc. No, that's good. That's very nice, isn't it? It's a nice little comfort blanket, basically, to have that. And it's definitely been, I know on your pod every week, you've been like, I could wildcard this week, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you know, every week's been like, a, I could do it. I could do it. I've been thinking about it, but I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, I think holding it this long, you might as well have maximum impact. And you know, I think that the hauling injury is basically... I'm not going to call it a gift because obviously you've had to do a bit of manoeuvring this week and taking a hit, which I know is not your style, but still it's been quite a fortuitous thing to have your wild card in the back pocket. And in contrast, we don't, the Sam don't quite have that kind of scenario. I think that quite a lot of us aren't in that situation. But I think what's really kind of positive about it all is that for me, at least, I've got two useless pieces of rubbish in Darwin and Martinelli and a buttload of money uh, to, to, to be able to spend. So, you know, in, a strange way uh, this is me proper upsiding proper silver lining having two pieces of crap in my team means that i can sell them without much regret to get Holland back in and then get someone else in but the big miss for me is is still saka and trying to make that all kind of fit together is going to need a little bit more engineering i've got a little bit more money on the bench uh, on the bench slash in the back line and i kind of want moment with four viable defenders saliba white shimikas and pedro poro so that is a question that I'm going to have to deal with soonish um, because I'm obviously going to be selling Salah and Son. So Saka will have to come in for one of them. But kind of, there's going to be a lot, a lot of kind of reconfiguring that's needed. And that brings me back to, wow, Mark, you're in a great position with having that wild card there, to be honest. I mean, Sam, you've got a similar sort of situation, but I guess less of a dispersed sort of d- less dispersed resources around your team. Right. So it's, I guess it's not too hard for you to get Erling back. Yeah, so I'm fully focused on making sure I maintain that that money in the bank so I can do that in one move in game week 19 or 20, depending on what sort of news and fitness updates we get on him. I, I do expect him to be back by game week 19, but it's nice to know that I can kick that can down the road one game week further if I need to. What's important for me at this point now is probably just, I think Mark summed it up quite nicely earlier on, which is basically like fix the, the weakest point in my side. And I've got a few issues that, I've been keeping an eye on for a couple of weeks now that are going to become quite quick transfers out soon. Darwin not being an obvious one, but beyond that, I think Turner's probably going to lose his place again pretty soon. I'm considering he was at fault for at least one of the goals um, by the looks of it. And then Sanchez obviously looks like a, a keeper that could be out for a little while. So I might need to sort that out pretty imminently. Um, and then in defence as well, I've enjoyed having Lascelles, but Botman coming back off the bench this week probably means Lascelles is, uh, is uh, living on borrowed time at the moment. The one silver lining there is that Shah might be out for one game week or something with uh, a minor, I think it's a glute injury, um, which could keep him Ooh, out for me. Sore bum, yeah. Um, so he might be out for a game week 
if I'm lucky, and then I can just start Lascelles one last time before sorting that out. But yeah, I think over the next couple of game weeks, it will basically be quite a cautious approach, just fixing these minutes issues as they're cropping up. Hopefully they don't all occur at once and I can kind of um, get set up for the new year with hopefully a strong 15 again, because I'm, I'm quite worried about the depth in my side being impacted quite badly with injuries and, and mm. players coming back in like Botman, for example. So yeah, that will be where my focus is probably in the next couple of game weeks. Yeah, I mean that, that seg- segues us nicely, really, away from Hall and just the kind of the, the kind of the general advice. I say that, and then Mark's on, <laughs> but you know the, the general advice that we've got here, really, because it is a hectic time in FPL, and we've obviously just lived through a hectic time in FPL, the fourteen to sixteen, where a rash decision was made by two members of this particular panel and was not made by another member of the panel who has done very well compared to two of us. Um, but there is, I guess, rotation galore. Um, and there's a kind of a question whether it's kind of more of the same, I suppose, in terms of, as Sam said, focusing on those 90-minute men. And I suppose an advantage of kind of us having lived through a period just now of quite hectic squad rotation is that most of us have tooled up a little bit so our benches are a bit stronger Um, I for example have now got Saliba as first bench who's going to be sat there at least next week and maybe the week after Um, so hopefully we're a bit more resistant to shock now Mark would you say Um, but it's still important isn't it to get those 90 minute men in if you do have a transfer to make yeah, absolutely. It's the it's the time of season for ninety minute men as much as possible. And going back to the Haaland thing, it it helped me to do a couple of things that I wanted to do for a long time. Number one, get Saka, and probably more importantly, number two was to get a better twelfth man because I've been absolutely winging it this season with no bench whatsoever. I had Gusto out for ages. I had Bayer who didn't play, uh, yeah. time, <laughs> and I had Nakamba. So every week I was just relying on eleven. And I think there was two occasions where I only played 10, which is obviously not optimal. And I hope that never happens again. But again, the Haaland money just allowed me to get a strong eighth attacker, basically. So, you know, Gordon was on my bench this week. And that's the first time this season I've had a very, very strong first sub since, you know, way back in game one or game two. So I've been able to tool up with the minus four. And again, that's just to hopefully tide me over until I play the wild card. Um, so again, obviously won't have a strong bench game week 18 with a blank. But if I if I don't wildcard in 19, then at least I'm going to have something decent there if it's needed, which is probably likely because there's been a lot of injuries recently and stuff like that. So yeah, absolutely, 90 minute men. And if you have been ignoring your bench like I have been for a long time, when the opportunity arises, you know, get at least one decent option in there. Yeah, the unholy trinity of Archer, Kabore, and Taylor has been my mm. bench since wildcard in game week six. It's been painful. Sam, I suppose what's really interesting, though, is during this period, we have to be quite nimble, don't we? Because there are loads of things that chop and change. And with the advent of ITKs permeating FPL, there's going to be kind of a lot of information floating around. And I guess our targets, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, are going to be shifting around a lot. And um, How much importance do you place on that sort of, I think um, Shoreham said, do you go aggressive or do you stay in the peloton? Um, I mean, we're, we're not at Mark's rank, but we're doing okay. Would you still advocate just sticking to the conservative players who are the 90, even though they're not kind of, I guess, the lowest owned people in the world? Like you said, you've got a few weakest links to take out. Is it still going to be bringing in players who aren't necessarily going to be, you know, gambly um, dice players on uh, on live FPL or is, are you looking to take any sort of risk? I, I know the answer to that question, but I'm just teeing you up to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, it's not necessarily about whether or not 
they're low owned it's per se it's more about whether i think they're a minutes risk um darwin being a terrible example of some poor decision making recently but generally i try to make sure that especially at this time of year like we were saying get those players in that i know okay it's always a gamble there's always a risk on whether they're actually going to do the points but having them on the pitch for as long as possible and not having to worry week in week out about whether i need to make a transfer on them unless they get injured of course is of prime importance at this time of year so I don't, I don't know about the whole Peloton thing at this time of year. I, obviously, there's nothing wrong with making sure that you've got some of the more important picks in. But I also don't necessarily mind a gamble on a player that you think has the upside, as long as you don't think it's a gamble on whether or not they're even going to play the match. If you think that they're just as nailed into the side as another player who is high owned, but you think that you can get a little bit of benefit from that mm. player, then I've got nothing against that necessarily. I just think quite a lot of the high owned players at the moment just seem like logical picks with good underlying data, good fixtures, and importantly, they are doing the points. So it's quite easy to sort of end up on in the peloton just by making quite logical, quite straightforward FPL decisions at the moment, because these are the players that are probably punishing the people that aren't, having them in their side so far so a lot of people will probably end up with Cole Palmer this week knowing that he's getting 90 minutes most weeks he's got great underlying data great price great fixtures to come so I I think that it's it's not necessarily about being different for the sake of it it I would urge a little bit of caution if you think that it's a a minutes risk gamble that you're taking rather than a than a points risk gamble though yeah, certainly. I suppose we've definitely seen the the rise of, I guess, discomfort. I'd say with buying in who everyone seems to be buying, and I think that, mm-hmm. that can lead people down particular alleys, can't it? And in, in many cases, blind alleys. Hey, look at me with White and Martinelli. Um, but yes, I, I think it's definitely worth bearing in mind um, the idea of compound differentials. We've sp- spoken about a whole lot on this pod in the past, like the idea that you know, your team is your team in of itself is a differential because not everyone's going to have the, I guess, the combination of players that you've got. I mean, Mark, do you, do you you famously don't really look at ownership at all? And is that something that, you know, do you even care about kind of that when you're thinking of buying players in? So, for example, you bought Saka in this week, obviously 70, 80% effective ownership already. Was it even a consideration that, you know, I could go somewhere else and take that on? Or was it just a case of, you know, I feel, feel like he's just a player that I really want to own and that's it? Yeah, I mean, ownership something I... I probably do wrestle with it, to be honest, each season. You know, I do try and fight it off because it's it's in your face nowadays on on podcasts and, and whatever content you consume, you're gonna see it. Even if you're just on on X, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna know even just by your mini leagues, you know which players are highly owned and which ones are gonna hurt you. And you know, when we have such good websites like Live FPL, which I can't resist checking most weekends, you know, you know, the guys that are the threats to you. I mentioned it earlier, I knew Trippier and Saka were going to hurt me week on week if they performed well um but i have always tried to not let ownership influence my decision too much i'd be lying if i said i ignore it completely because it's impossible to possible to do so especially if you're a content creator it's part of the work you do you have to look at the ownerships and when you're putting articles together and stuff like that so thinking of the saka one as an example which is a good one i own saka in game one I sold him when he was injured, I think game week eight, and I always planned to get him in as soon as I could. There was some slight doubts then, I think around 10 or 11, and I think I held off 
had another issue to deal with, didn't want to take it minus four. And it's taken me this long to get back to him. Yes, I know his ownership is high mm. because I see what happens to my rank when he scores or he gets an assist. But it wasn't the number one factor in getting him back in. For me, it was you know a possible penalty taker, a really good asset, a player I've owned for the most part over the last year and a half. So it was a case of first opportunity to get him back in as soon as possible because I think he's going to score points, not because he's got high ownership. So, of course, it plays a slight factor, especially if you're yeah. having a good season. In my mind, I'm going to wildcard soon. So strategically, if I can just consolidate for the next couple of weeks, stay roughly where I am, I'm yeah. very happy because my overall goal was top 100K by Christmas anyway. So if it means taking a few strategic moves with ownership in mind, of course I'm going to do that. Uh, but only if I think they're good picks who are going to get points as well. So, you know, it's it's interesting. You, know, you mentioned the, you know, Sam mentioned there, you've got good picks like Gordon and Palmer, cheap picks, good fixtures, high ownership, but, but they're just good picks. And when, when I, you know, when I see people thinking, right, I'm not going to get a player X because everyone else has them. That's music to my ears. I'm like, go ahead, get someone else. I, I just have yeah. him. I'll get his points because I back him to outscore the player you're bringing in. You know, good picks are good picks for a reason. And you've got to just always remind yourself of that. And you mentioned the compounding thing there. It might feel like everyone else has the same team, but very likely a lot of your rivals or people close to you in the rankings will be missing one or two of the key guys that you have if you manage your squad well. So I always think of that, you know, mm. I might have 11 optimal picks for my team, whereas a lot of rivals might only have nine or 10. And and as we've seen this season, it, it can be that one or two players that can make all the difference. So the advice is always don't worry about, you know, what ownership or don't worry about what other people have, because if you can get 11 strong players, you know, you're going to do well, even if it's just chipping away game week by game week. Tell me about it. <laughs> so I'm on the same situation with Saka, but I, I don't really see a time to do it apart from managing Son and Salah's exit, which is again a really nice segue, Tom, and pat myself on the back for that. Um, let's uh, let's go on to that because I mean, sound advice over Christmas. Don't get too get up on you know, not doing what everyone else is doing. It's fine. Good picks, good for good picks for a reason. It's, it sounds like it's kind of not quite the case getting on the peloton or staying with the peloton, um, but at least kind of just making logical picks for your team uh, wherever you go. And uh, yeah, a bit of planning using FPL.team or something like that. And it's never it never goes miss either. But yes, upcoming game week twenty one, so not that long away actually. Uh, it's the exit of two players who are key parts of the FPL template who are Son and Salah. Uh, game week 21, it looks like to be the time these guys go away. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, not long away. Uh, Mark's got the easy street uh, with the wild cards um, to start to look at it. Might miss a week, maybe, of one or, one or two, both of them. Um, but yeah, Sam and I have got to do a bit of navigating. I suspect it's probably about 80-20 in terms of managers out there um, in terms of where you are with this. Um, I suppose the, the first question, really, for me here is is it as simple as Salah being quote-unquote covered by the likes of Darwin <laughs> Darwin what a mistake that was Diaz and or Jota and is it as simple as Son being covered by you know Richarlison Brennan or Kulu um, obviously it's hard to know at the moment there's going to be a little bit, a bit of evolution but would it still be the case, Sam, that we'll be looking at just kind of just doing straight swaps, do you think, based on what we know now? I mean, obviously, we don't know entirely, um, but based on what we know now, what would your view be there? So I think each of them I'm going to deal with separately. So with Son, I, I can see Richarlison as quite a nice, neat little replacement, obviously registered as the same position in FPL, so it's an easy straight swap. 
And also the data is improving. He is playing centre forward now and he's looking like a player who possibly maybe at the start of the season was playing with a little knock. I know that in press conferences, they've mentioned that he was carrying something, maybe wasn't quite at his best. Whereas now he's back in the side looking like he's going to get very strong minutes for the foreseeable. And yeah, he's played himself into that best best starting eleven for Spurs at this point. So I quite like the idea of him as a straight swap for Son. Whereas on the Liverpool side of things, especially having mm. seen today, I'm much less convinced that one Darwin can cover Salah. I don't think that's even a discussion at this point. Um, but then Diaz and Jota, if he's even back by that point, I'm also not sure that I'd have them in for Salah as a direct replacement rather than maybe looking further afield at something a little bit more funky for a couple of weeks. And Martin Erdegaard's data has been looking pretty good and Arsenal have some good fixtures around then. Um, and I'm not tripled up on Arsenal, importantly. Um, and then also um, Bowen as well is looking really good at a cheaper price too. So um, yeah, there might be a lot of money sort of swirling around in my bank for a couple of weeks whilst I'm waiting for them to come back. But the fixtures for both of those assets do look really promising around that sort of time. And it means that for the period of time that these both uh, these players are both out, I've got a pretty reliable asset that I've got quite a lot of confidence in for a few weeks at least before I have to hop back to them. Interesting. I, was, I guess it's kind of finding potentially the stand-in talisman yeah. with these two guys out. And yes, with Son out, maybe you would be looking at Richarlison, see what's going on with everyone else in that team. If you still, I'm sure he'd still kind of, he'd then kind of play for the middle and you have Brennan, maybe Madison be back. So Kulu would end up back on the, back on the flank again. Yeah. That'd be interesting. With, with, with Liverpool though, I do look at the mark and think, well, you know, even though, yes, they've been a bit fortuitous, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to say over the last kind of few weeks, just kind of grinding out the wins after some sort of event has occurred, like, you know, against, against Palace, getting the two goals out of nowhere, to be honest. And, but they are still kind of 0.1 of an XG behind Man City in terms of the team XG. A lot of that is down to Salah, but that, surely they're going to be individuals who do step up in his absence, no? Surely there will be. It's, I think it's quite hard to nail down who they're going to be, though, because I, I think with both teams... There's probably a few candidates rather than one obvious one that's going to step up to the plate when the when the key guys are gone. So, like Sam, on current information, I'd be kind of inclined to go elsewhere with these replacements when I'm building the wildcard squad. So I'm not going to, you know, directly replace Salah with a Liverpool attacker, for example. Richarlison is certainly emerging again as an option, as he was in game week one, which which didn't go too well for people. But hopefully now he is a more reliable FPL asset. But you know, kind of thinking about it, when I do wildcard losing. When you lose Salah and Son, there's definitely opportunities that arise. You know, for example, you know, maybe I treat myself to a more expensive defense for a couple of weeks, but obviously need to be very careful about how I get these players back again as well. Um, so it's going to be a kind of a balancing act. It, I don't think it's going to be straightforward to build a wildcard squad because I'm going to have to keep a lot of things in mind that are you're probably booking in a couple of transfers in a couple of weeks' time, which you don't usually do with a wildcard squad. So going to have to balance the budget uh, and stuff like that as well. But, you know, certainly, you know, hopefully we see players like Saboslai maybe appear in a few FPL teams. He's kind of shown glimpses that he could be a very good FPL prospect. Obviously, interesting to see who takes the penalties of both teams when both players away. We, we probably won't know that. But again, it's going to be information for us to try and figure out to get an edge there as well so yeah it's going to be a very very interesting time uh but at the moment i was i was hoping sam wouldn't mention odegaard because he was the first player that came to mind 
when we moved on to this topic. And again, going back to player ownerships, when you've got a Saka, who a lot of other managers already have, then I like kind of doubling down and getting another piece of that pie. Odegaard yeah. alongside Saka for a few weeks. Odegaard's looked fantastic. He, I was watching the highlights again uh, just before we started. He closed to FPL points again this week. So I think he's going to be extremely popular uh, during this period. Um, so yeah, there's there's plenty of doors that will open that wouldn't usually open. Just don't get Martinelli. That's what I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to play. He, again, who looks very good when he plays. Um, but yeah, a player who's, who's all fart, no poo when it comes to FPL, thus far at least. Maybe against Liverpool, he'll surprise me. I know Klopp every year has gone, oh, that Gabriel Martinelli, what a player, what a player. Um, so hopefully he's going to he's gonna do it again. But I think touching on he's that. Also, so, sorry, he's, he's all, Klopp's also been saying that about Darwin as well. So temporary that expectations. Is very, that is very true. That's very true. <laughs> That damning with yeah. fake praise. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never, I'm never getting rid of that guy, honestly. Right, um, but I think what's really interesting there, touching on kind of the wild card situation, and just in general, is that I, I don't know. I, when I was thinking about this earlier on, I, I was wondering whether actually it could be easier than we think, because I think one of the biggest impacts of both these players going away is that we're going to have money to burn, aren't we? Because they're two of the most expensive players in the game, other than Holland, and I'm not sure we're going to be kind of moving towards having a backline of Trippier, Trippier and Trent. Um, so I think a lot of us are going to have loads of money in the bank for a little while. Um, I really, really wish kind of we got like cash interest on your balance or something like that. That'd be so, so, so good if you got, got like extra extra points for the amount of cash you had in, in your bank. That'd be amazing. Um, but I don't know. I, I wonder whether it would be easier than you think. And you've got, uh, we've, we've referenced it already, the likes of Gordon and Palmer ad, acting as kind of fabulous enablers. You've got the dark horses that we spoke about last week, kind of like Tavernier, Ducore, Fulham have a really good run of fixtures um, when Salah and Son are away, which Chelsea away, Everton at home, Burn- Burnley away, Bournemouth and Aston Villa at home. And on loads of fixture tickers, you've got Brighton too, who probably you wouldn't touch with a, with a barge pole a lot of the time. But if you're in this sort of period, as Mark said earlier, where there's loads of doors that are open, they've got the best fixture run during the period when Salah and Son are away. Wolves losing Crystal Palace, Spurs and Sheffield United. I mean, do you think, Sam, we're going to see lots of unorthodox players enter the uh, the landscape um, yeah, like Tavernier, who yeah, I, I still really fancy. I really want that guy in my team. Yeah, I think for two or three weeks between 21 and maybe, is it 24 when we'd expect most of them back by that sort of point? Yeah, around that. I think that's a real opportunity to have a bit of fun with those positions because you know it's temporary and more, more often than not, you're probably just going to save that money and rather than diversify your funds into other positions in your team. I think... Um, barring wildcards like Mark's got, a lot of us will probably be planning ahead knowing that we need to then reverse that move in a few weeks. So it's basically just a two or three week trial period with a bit more of a fun player that, again, you you might want to know for sure that they're going to start those games at least. But I, I think there's going to be a spread in who we're all looking at. Erdegaard will be popular. Obviously, we've already talked about Bowen, Richarlison, but around that sort of time as well. I'm I'm not sure when KDB is meant to be back, but he might not be a million miles away by that sort of point. Foden as well might be interesting. So yeah, I can, I can see some really differential options popping up and I think that will spread what um what the general template looks looks like in midfield at the very least for a couple of game weeks before we all recede back to type and and bring these two players back in because I don't think too many of us will be braving it without them beyond game week 24 for example i think what's really exciting about periods like this is that the template breaks 
because mm. I think around Christmas, because we've got um, all the congestion, we will have a flight to safety. I, I maybe term it as where, yes, we were talking about it earlier and kind of discussing that individuals may kind of look at it and think, oh, everyone's buying this player. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be kind of all template about it. But I think there will be a flight to safety because it will be just a case of trying to make sure that, you know, your, your downsides protected as you go on. But I mean, I think it's, it, it will be a really interesting period when you do have loads of money kind of floating around. And as you say, Sam, you are able to have a punt on somebody for two or three weeks. I, I don't think we really have that sort of scenario in FPL very often where you can mm. kind of build in, I'm going to own this individual for a short amount of time, get max value out of that person, hopefully over that time, and then move them back to somebody who's solid. <laughs> it's, it's it's a really interesting sort of scenario to be in. It's like, I'm, I'm off to rent a car for three weeks before I go back to my old banger. And um, Mark, um, during that period, during that period, um, I don't know. It's very anti-you to be anti-template. I'm not calling you a massively template manager because obviously you do, don't look at the ownership as much, but you are very kind of good at picking out the individuals who do end up being kind of quote-unquote template. How, just how crazy are you going to get, do you think? Are you going to be looking at Bournemouth midfielders and Fulham midfielders and things like that? I, yeah, I don't think we're going to have much choice. I think we're going to have to look at them. You know, when you take some of these guys out, it's going to be... We're going to be shopping in places we, re- we wouldn't usually shop, which has been uh, the case for me this week doing Christmas shopping. But uh, the it's <laughs> I'm just thinking as well how how tricky it will be actually to get both back in because you're talking what's that about 22 million for the mm. two of them. So yeah. obviously we could have a lot of cash sitting in the bank and stuff, but there's going to be headaches as to you know let's say both of them end up back in the same game week and you've got one free transfer. And maybe you are a little bit short of cash because you've treated yourself to a midfielder. It's it's not going to be as easy as as it sounds right now in reality. And it might come to a point where do I bring Sun back first? Do I bring Salah back first? So it's uh, and obviously it'll a lot of it will depend on fixtures and stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely going to be a strange time for me as a manager who is a very safe conservative player and ends up naturally having quite a lot of the highly owned players anyway because of my style of play. Um, so there's probably going to be a few obscure picks. You know, you know, Brighton's a good example. They have the fixtures. I don't think I've owned a Brighton player since game week one. Fell into the trap of Joe, Joe Pedro. Oh, Joe Pedro. Yeah, it was a, it was one of those where I had Matoma all summer, and then 24 hours before game week one, Joe Pedro appeared in a three-four-three. But it's oh, funny because nice. long-term three-four-three worked out quite well with Watkins and Alvarez and stuff like that. Yeah, but anyway, that's a tangent. There will yeah. be, there will be some picks in midfield that will be in my team that I, I will be saying to myself, I did not, not expect you to be here at any point in the season like Solanke at the moment. He's just appeared for <laughs> Erling Haaland. And who knows, you know, a Tavernier could could join him for, for a short period or an Adingra or a Matoma or even Kudus. You know, Kudus has performed very mm. well again this game week. Nobody's going there because we've got Palmer and Gordon. But there's plenty of plenty of decent options out there that are just under that, you know, top six, seven, eight popular picks. No, fair play, fair play. Right, we've got a couple, I think I'm going to crowbar in a couple of questions here as well, which sort of touch on this before we move on, and the rest of the questions will come towards the end of the pod. Uh, The first one is from uh, Dave sees at FPL. How strong should a Christmas bench be? If you had 15 million start from scratch, who would you pick? I don't think we're going to have time to quite do that because we're all kind of looking at each other quizzically. Um, but just kind of in general, how strong should the Christmas bench be? And for me, I've got one kind of player that in normal times would be kind of in the 11 
pretty much every week or most weeks and i'm gonna to have to make a decision there i hate playing like it um but i think it's kind of quite good to have that situation where you're happy to have that guy come on because there was likely to be one or two occasions where you're gonna have a shock benching of somebody and then i've got one player um so that's saliba and i've got another, and i've got two other players who are a little bit cheaper but if they come on fine whatever um but that's kind of it so it's kind of like a 12th man as mark said earlier on that's kind of the way i look at it and then kind of the 13th and 14th they're kind of solidly the 13th and 14th assuming the backup goalkeepers is 15th and that you know they're, they're benches that they're there on the bench if needs be they're playing but that's kind of it I mean, sam is that kind of the same for you yeah, very similar. I classically play with quite a strong 12th man and that being a fourth defender usually because there's usually quite good value in a 4.5 defender, for instance. So most seasons, by the time I get to around the Christmas period, I'll try to have that fourth defender with good enough, a good run of fixtures, 4.5, and I'm happy to play them most game weeks around this period of time. Ideally, I would then also have a, a decent enough eighth attacker that hasn't really paid off this season with Archer so far. Um, but if you jumped on Palmer early, for instance, at 4.9, then maybe you got lucky and he could have been that eighth attacker that's kind of been promoted to seventh or sixth now. Um, but yeah, ideally, Raul Jimenez, if he hadn't have been sent off, would have been a really good price for an eighth attacker and therefore that 12th man as well. Um, usually around this time, as long as I've got a starting four million defender as well as like an extreme backup. Um, so someone like a Charlie Taylor, that's quite nice to just have in your back pocket in a worst case scenario. Um, but yeah, de definitely agreed with you on the 12th man thing. Usually for me, that ends up being that fourth defender. But again, if you want to prioritize that eighth attacker which might come at a little bit of more of a premium usually um to get someone decent then uh, i've got no qualms about that either same for you mark um yeah i mean with the moves this week it feels like you're kind of stuck in that sort of same sort of scenario as we are yeah it's it's a strong eighth attacker is something i usually don't do i would traditionally be a an archer kind of manager with a you know 4.5 for sub striker but i think just at the moment in the landscape with with Haaland gone for most people. Um, and even, even without Haaland being gone, there's a lot of cheap guys. We you know, we've had our Palmers and Gordons this season. It's very viable to have and your first sub as an eighth attacker. And given the lack of clean sheets this season, I like that more than kind of a traditional 4.5 defender as the first sub. It's still an absolutely fine strategy. You know, if if you went into the next couple of weeks with someone like a Pau Torres, I think that's perfect, you know, as your as your first sub. You you know you can get something if if he's needed. But I think with so many good cheap midfielders in particular, and even players like Cunha and Wolves, um, you know, if they're your first sub, you know you can get something if needed. Even Huang as your, you know, you know, eighth attacker as well. There's there's plenty of guys kind of under six million that it is viable at the moment. So that's what I'd be trying to do. But you know, don't go out of your way to do it either. You know, focus on the first 11 first. Um, but yeah, I, I decent eighth attacker, whether it be midfielder or cheap forward. And then your, your Newcastle defenders who are cheap or a Pau Torres or something like that's fine as well. I don't think you necessarily need a third one, but if you're in a scenario where you do have a Charlie Taylor or a, I've got a buyer, I mean, he's not much good to me, but two points can be, you know, quite important come the end of the season. So it's, it's good to have them if they're already there. Okay, interesting. A final question um, in this scenario. Um, do we regret moving Holland on I know you don't Mark because you've got a wild card so maybe it's one for Sam and, and me to kind of reflect on um, AMAC says 
you know, he's a very expensive asset to play Hokey Koki with. We know thanks to Game Week 18, but in likelihood, he's going to come back for Game Week 19. So why waste the transfer? I assume that AMAC did obviously keep uh, Holland, just kind of benched him. It was something that we spoke about last week, you know, the root of mm. cowardice just to keep uh, Holland on your bench and kind of manage it. Glad I didn't, because it, it would have meant I didn't get Watkins this week. Um, do you regret it, Sam? I, I, I don't. I think because in the in, obviously having Watkins back was one of the things that we both kind of spoke about a couple of weeks. For, for we spoke about for a couple of weeks um, to the chagrin of everyone listening, that the tiny tiny violins have been out. Um, is it would it have been viable to have just left him and done other things, or do you think it was kind of an opportunity just to get kind of the downside covered? I suppose when it comes to like to Watkins, because before this, before the outcome with with Darwin, who we'll speak about in the questions in a bit, we, we couldn't have really kind of counted selling him against United, could we? Yeah, I, I think Haaland being out from last game week, especially because we got pretty solid confirmation that he would have been out for 17 as well. I, I think I saw it personally as an opportunity to get back to a forward line or at least one forward that I'm quite happy with in, in Oli. And it kind of solved a bit of an issue for me. And I think because there are a few forwards doing the business at the moment, I wanted to grasp that opportunity for at least two game weeks. I think if if we knew it was only going to be one game week, i.e. the blank in 18, I, my plan was to bench him. But two game weeks as a minimum for him not being around seemed like too much of a gap for me and knowing that I've got a one move strategy to get back to him in 19 or 20 whenever he is actually back I'm pretty happy with the decision I don't I don't think it will be difficult for me to get back to him in fact I've got about a spare million um, in case I do want to make moves elsewhere and I think having that 14 million on the bench for a couple of game weeks means that probably you have a slightly weaker slightly less depth in your squad overall as well so you might have had to be relying on a 4.5 defender for a couple of weeks at least for instance or an eighth attacker when otherwise you would have yeah. probably quite happily had an Ollie Watkins or a Dominic Solanke come in and provide a lot more upside or potential upside for at least two game weeks and Again, in my personal scenario, I'm not spreading the fund, so it is just one transfer back to him. So I, d I don't regret it. It is it is a perfectly viable strategy to keep him on the bench for a couple of game weeks. We did discuss it, but I think in that scenario, you would have had to have a, a much stronger 12th man than I had and feel much more comfortable with maybe a lack of injuries around your squad, whereas both myself and you, I think, had one too many other issues elsewhere to have Haaland sat on the bench comfortably for a couple of weeks when we knew he wasn't going to play and we knew that there was a player out there that we wanted to get back in for him pretty quickly. I would have done the exact same thing even if I didn't have a wild card. You, know, you just simplify it. You've got a a player you're almost certain is going to score zero points in game week 17 and you know he's definitely scoring zero points in game week 18. Just we've got transfers for a reason. You know, you, especially the people who maybe did double moves. Um, you know, whether I think Watkins and Solanke were the two most popular replacements. They both deliver. People who didn't have Palmer, for example, you use it to get him in as well. People like yourself got Poro in. And a lot of these guys delivered and, and could even deliver again in game week 18 while Haaland's out. So I think I'm one of the most you know conservative managers there is out there. So if anyone was going to keep him, if I didn't have a wild card, it would have been me. But I, I think I would have been exactly the same as you guys. Opportunity. There's lots of good picks out there. And you think about it too, you go into, if you kept him on your bench, you go into two game weeks where 
you know, your team is worth a lot less than the teams you're playing against for two game weeks because you're hoarding that 14 million on your bench. So, uh, you, you know, you straight away you feel a bit weaker. You're probably missing one or two guys that, that some of the others used to get in. So I think it was absolutely justified to, to let him go. And, you know, we're never too far away from getting him back in anyway. Yeah, I, I feel good hearing that. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I was the same as Sam, but basically, and uh, yeah, I think uh, Marky just uh, shored up exactly what I was about to say. So, you said you said earlier, Mark doesn't regret selling Hallam, but you can ask me that in game at nineteen when I don't have him. That might be a different yeah, story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Right, let's move on uh, to the bowl claims very quickly before we get on to more questions. And uh, last week, uh, Sam, you predicted that Darwin scores versus United. <laughs> I, I, I wish I'd said Watkins returns versus Old Club versus Halls and then yeah. clarified that Hall means 10 points. He's got nine. Nine, Sam. Um, but yes, uh, so nothing on the board for either of us this week. Uh, for you, you have gone a bit more esoteric than normal. Yeah, I've gone for something a bit different. I don't think we've done anything like this in the bowl claim so far this season. So I I just fancied it for no apparent reason. Um, but I'm going with a pretty uh, big goal fest for this game week coming. A maximum of two clean sheets across all fixtures in game week 18. I think uh, there'll be both teams to score across most of the games that I'm looking at. And yeah, I, I'm going with... Uh, hopeful lack of clean sheets um, and any clean sheets that are kept hopefully are in my team. Villa versus Sheffield United, maybe Villa, I mean, Newcastle versus Luton, maybe Newcastle, I guess maybe that, um, I don't know, fair, fair, fair play. Um, I'm, I'm going a bit big. I've gone for Luton to beat Newcastle. Maybe I've been listening to James and Planet F FPL for far too long this season, um, but he's been tipping one team to really be beaten by surprise, at the Kenny at Kenilworth Road. Now, I wonder whether Newcastle are a good candidate for that. With injuries galore, um, I suspect the Carabao Cup is going to be meaningful to them, especially uh, with them lo uh, losing out in the Champions League. So maybe they'll arrive at Kenilworth Road with a mixture of expecting to win and also quite knackered. So they have been knackered for a little while. Uh, Aiden abetted by Jimenez. I'm not even sure what we can call that. Is it a rugby tackle? Is it a, a wrestling move? I'm not, sure he, I'm not sure what he was doing. It, it wasn't a Cantona. He kind of jumped. It was like a mosh pit sort of thing. He just kind of jumped into the guy, didn't he? And um, <laughs> better by that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I've, I've got an inkling that Luton are going to beat Newcastle. I'm also going to predict that in my prediction league game as well. Um, so that's my bold claim for this week. And if that comes through, I'm going to expect two points, Sam. Thank you very much. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. Uh, lots of questions this week. Um, I wonder why. Uh, but thank you so much for those who have uh, sent us questions. Uh, we'll answer the majority of them. There are a few that are really team specific, um, which we're not going to be able to get to here. Um, but I'll, I'll write a reply um, if I can. The first one um, actually is Maxwell, who asks, where do we value Trent compared to midfielders of a similar value? And I think this kind of touches on quite a few things that we've spoken about um, independently and together over the last few years in terms of what Trent offers as an individual. He's now a top scoring defender um, of 84 points. He's overtaken Trippier this week. Um, good performance um, against United. He's got the nine points, so he's got the free bonus. And he, the only play like he gave a crap, to be honest, for Liverpool uh, for the majority of the game. 8.2 um, is how much he costs now, Mark. Um, a player who maybe could come into consideration for you on a wild card? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I've kind of been thinking recently: is is trend a bit of a blind spot for me this season, and and maybe for others as well. We've we've kind of we've been spoiled for choice with midfielders. Um, 
And, you know, it's, you only go back about six months, a year ago, Trent was an auto pick always, no matter what, you know, at seven million, seven and a half or whatever he was. Yes, didn't start the season too well this year. And you know, when we had Trippier performing so well at a cheaper price, now we've got Poro. And when you've got Haaland, Salah and Son, when we did have Haaland, it's, it was extremely hard to justify Trent as well with those guys. But again, talking about doors opening with a wild card, Trent is certainly one of those that I will explore. And is he, you talk about players like Darwin covering Salah, uh, it's more probably more so can Trent cover him while he's away? And can he step up and, and not even just step up, just continue doing what he's doing? Because there you go, a good example against United, nine-pointer, nice and easy, doesn't even have to do anything, just turns up, yeah. plays, keeps a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Nine points is a lot in this game week. If you have him, you're probably looking at a green arrow by just owning him. Uh, if you've got a few of the other key assets. So very much in my thoughts now, hasn't been really at all this season. I've always been someone who would have said Trippier over Trent, um, but I'm starting to kind of rate them both a lot more closely now, uh, and maybe even Trent higher. Uh, and if I can make it work, it's certainly something I'm going to look at when when there's no Son and Salah, you know, hoovering up all the budget. The thing will be just being careful about not putting too much into defence and getting back there. Yeah. That's always the tricky part. Yeah, the temptation might be that you go, oh, you know what? Trippier is an amazing attacking asset, and so is Trent. But then when it rolls around, as we spoke about earlier on, when you, oh, Son's other are back now. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of two transfers, three transfers to make, and it gets really, really sketchy. Uh, yeah. Sam, what about, what about you? I mean, we both kind of, during the pricing pop, we were both kind of saying, oh, initially we thought this is a great, this is great to see Trent um, actually priced high. And then mm. subsequently reflected, oh, he's completely out of consideration because he's priced so high. But those who have gone there, especially with the haul of money, or maybe kind of as a differential and an ultra differential over the last few weeks, which some of the, which have been unimaginable over the last few years, that we wouldn't really be seeing Trent in teams, maybe kind of as a result of the pricing landscape. Is he a player who potentially against midfielders, I suppose, at the kind of the eight million mark, measures up as being a player who could be in consideration for us actually? Yeah, I mean, he definitely is in consideration. I think it's more of a a structural problem as well with our teams. And yeah, point for point, he's doing as well, if not better than most of the midfielders at his price point and almost all of the forwards as well. But I think what you also have to consider with a player like Trent is, yes, he is getting the points, but there are also defenders at 4 million to 4.5 million who are getting three quarters of the points that he's able to get. So you can still bank that extra money, whereas in midfield and up front, that sort of price drop off doesn't match up to the same amount of points, if that makes sense. So you're probably if you're sacrificing three or four million from an asset in midfield, other than maybe one or two of the the key guys we've got in Palmer or possibly Gordon, um, then you're not really able to find someone who's able to cover him off as well. And I think in defence, that mainly comes from the, the fact that any defender in the same team will at least get the clean sheet points if they're also getting the 90 minutes. So I mentioned it on Trippier quite a few weeks back when we were wildcarding, I think it was around game week eight. And yes, it is horrible going without a player that is potentially explosive and will outperform any other defender in his team. But you can also cover off a, a, a section of their points every single week, as long as you've also got a starting defender in that team. And at the moment, we've got Simicass for an in undefined amount of time. Um, you can also cover him off in an, a couple of other ways, potentially as well for less money. 
And there are also other defenders cheaper getting attacking returns too. So as, as much as I love Trent, I am going to explore it. But from a structural point of view, right now, I feel that the value is better spent in the midfield and up front. Because if I'm spending that value in defence, there's only a limited selection of those players in midfield and up front that could cover off the points well enough that I'd otherwise be losing out on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love Trent. Um, most seasons he would be an yeah. auto pick in my starting eleven, but this season I think just that extra little price hike and the fact that he's not quite getting as many uh, attacking returns as he has done in other seasons gone by, and the data isn't quite as good as it has been in other seasons as well. I don't believe either. So for now, and probably until I wild card, um, I'm probably reluctantly going to have to swerve him from a structural point of view, and I'm probably going to be too scared to go there when Salah goes off because then it's effectively two transfers to get back to Mo or Son, whereas other people might be more willing to use a wild card around that time to rebalance the squad. But yeah, for me, it's a, it's a difficult one because I love him. I just don't think I can get to him at the moment based on the squad structure I've got. Yeah, I think I just, I pretty much echo that. I mean, yes, I think you look at the, the midfielders around the same price as him and they're all performing kind of commensurate. Um, if if Trent was outperforming them, then I'd certainly be looking at at one of the you know a Trent over one of them. Trent's an eighty four at the moment. I mean, you've got Bowen who is seven point seven. I'm going to say, and I think he's on kind of you know in, in the nineties. That's for sure. You've got Gordon kind of just just outside of the nineties, eighty nine, um, and then you've got players like uh, Huang. You've got Sterling. You've got okay, Palmer hasn't been playing since the start of the season, but he's up in the seventies now. And um, loads of players in the midfield who are a lot cheaper, who are still kind of able to quote unquote cover what Trent's output is. And I think a lot of what's going on with Trent is that he's missing that sort of perfect storm to make you want to bring him in which is a great run of fixtures and that's not really on the horizon there's arsenal next and there's a game that's burnley on boxing day and then there's newcastle and then there's bournemouth and there's chelsea so arguably burnley bournemouth and chelsea are okay fixtures then you've got arsenal again and it doesn't there's never really a period where it looks amazing maybe 24 27 burnley brentford luton and oscar forest but then you're kind of looking again at bringing Son and Salah back. So I, I don't know, but there's never really a period that lends itself to Trent. Ultimate luxury differential is how I look at him now, which is sad because obviously I, same as you, and I'm sure the same for you, Mark, because we've, we've all had him in our teams for a long time. I think I remember a tweeting many years ago, I think it must have been 2018 19 season, we'll always remember having Trent at 5.0 because of what an amazing individual he is. Uh, twice a double 200 club member i'm sure he may get near to it this year um but i, th- I don't know I, I think he's one that you know you, you love and leave just because he's just too expensive and it's interesting to see it was interesting to see that when when sabot's like got got um subbed off then he moved into midfield and then kind of was able to kind of give us a little bit more really of what trent is um, and I'm, I don't know, it's, it's something about it at the moment doesn't really quite make sense. And I think the ownership as well will always be low enough. I know that we don't like that, um, but it's worth mentioning that the ownership is always going to be low enough. That it's not going to be as painful as Trippier, for example, was. And Trippier was just that little bit more gettable than Trent is at his price. So one where, yeah, if you go there, completely understand why, completely kind of get it. But it's just not 
quite there, I think, given the fact that the midfield options are there for you and even the strike options are there for you. Um, and yeah, even if even if we lose Salah and Son, it's still going to be a case of really thinking about it and probably only having him for a couple of weeks before manoeuvring him out again. Um, next question, uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan Jacobson, um, best goalkeeper over the next few weeks uh, this affects all three of us uh, Johnson owner Mark and uh, Sam and I have both bought in Sanchez last week which has obviously gone really well knee specialist he's seeing um, do we just buy Dubravka he says and not overthink things or is there anywhere else we could possibly go I mean, all three of us I think are relying on Turner to play this week unless someone's making a goalkeeper transfer um, which is probably quite low on my list of priorities and, <laughs> but I don't know about you Mark is there any, any anything you're looking at at the moment it's uh it's a funny one I get I get asked every week on the podcast um who is the best goalkeeper this season or yep. who's the best goalkeeper <laughs> combo for the next couple of weeks and you end up just skipping it these days because I think I give a, a different answer every week and it's probably just recency bias I think I said Leno last week and Neto I'm, I'm pretty sure both of them conceded this week didn't they or, or did Leno I can't even remember but basically there's no standout no standout there's no Emmy Martinez of this season it looked like it might be Emmy Martinez himself a week or two ago but again he didn't do the business this week either. So I yeah, I'm in trouble goalkeeper wise. I've got Johnston. Henderson had a good game, even if Johnston recovers. Turner was disastrous. I watched the Tottenham game as a son and Poro owner and a Turner owner. I kind of forgot until about halfway through the game that I had him. Then I seen him make that mistake and I was like, that's not good. Kulosevsky scored. I don't have him, but I also have Turner. That's definitely not good because I could be without a goalkeeper this week because Surely that performance puts his his place at risk now. So I'm not against a goalkeeper transfer. Not something I would like to do two weeks before wildcard activation. But if I look at my team on Thursday and if it is my weakest link, I probably will do it. But then the question still is who on earth do you go for? For me, it probably yeah. is just Dubravka because I know there's doubts over him in January if they send another goalkeeper, but I don't need to worry about that because I will have a different goalkeeper in January anyway in my FPL team. Yeah. So I do think Dubravka is still okay short term. I'm not sure I would recommend him as a long term pick. And it's still probably your likes of your Lenos, your Pickfords, even still a Neto, just you know, somewhere between 4.4, 4.7. I'm still not willing to go to an Ederson type or an Allison type, you know, more so for, you know, blocking other outfield picks in those teams. You know, Ederson doesn't keep clean sheets anyway, as some of the analytics crew got to experience again this week. I think that he get a zero pointer with a yellow card. So goalkeepers is a, is a nightmare. Um, I've, I've just been winging it again with Johnston. He hasn't, he's been, he's been blanking anyway, seven or eight blanks in his nine fixtures before he got injured. So I may, I may make a move for Dubravka this week, but um. I'm hoping I don't need to do that and, and hopefully Turner can just play, but but who knows? That's one for me to figure out on Thursday. Yeah, I know the feeling. I think it's one of those, but I probably will. It's one of those, but if I've got two free transfers, I'll use one of the transfer on the goalkeeper. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. It feels like an opportunity cost sort of thing where if I use transfer on the goalkeeper and I lose that flexibility, I'm not too sure about it. I'm going to bring in a question from FBI Antiques here who mentioned that Everton have a frustrating schedule with no really good long-term fixtures until game week 32. Are they worth buying into anyway? Pickford is a goalkeeper who's got four clean sheets in a row. In that time frame, he's scored 30 points in four game weeks. But next two games are Spurs and Man City. But he is at 4.4 and, and could be one of those individuals that someone like who 
isn't able to kind of refresh our team very early on, like me and Sam could be looking at, Everton, as we spoke about last week, are sixth uh, for XGC, as, as in sixth best. So that could be a player that you'd be looking at bringing in potentially in the defense, in the goalkeeper sort of area. Just you know, set and forget. Yeah, that you know they are what they are. But there are lots of times where you know beating Newcastle, beating Chelsea recently. Well, they are going to get those results every now and again. And if not, Pickford is going to be making saves. The saves have been fairly decent this this year in terms of overall distribution. And But it's, it's not, we spoke about last week, Sam, it's, it's not really a, something we want to be thinking about. And it kind of just feels to me that maybe in, I'll leave it this week. Uh, I think I've some captains already, but maybe I'll leave it this week. Next we make a goalkeeper transfer in the week after by hauling them back. It kind of feels that sort of, that sort of way at the moment where if I've got a spare transfer I'll sort it out if not I'll I'll either kind of yeah I will always hope Turner keeps his spot somehow still got four saves maybe um you know maybe Cooper's just looking at FPL and not really watching the goalkeeper play there are loads of mistakes in there weren't there (laughs) what do you think Sam yeah, I'm not I'm not holding out too much hope that Turner starts after that performance either. Um maybe um we pray to some sort of deity that um Sanchez comes back and he's fit somehow for this game week. It doesn't look likely considering he's off at a specialist. But outside of that, it is a bit of a desolate wasteland for keepers at the moment. And I really don't wanna if I've got any other moves to make in my side and I, because I'll only have one free transfer, I don't think any keeper I'm looking at for this week is going to necessarily be worth a minus four. So I just feel like I'll risk it on Turner maybe getting some minutes this game week. Obviously, if there are no other issues and I've got that one free transfer to use, then I could look at making that keeper transfer. But then looking around, there's not there's not really many that I'm even slightly tempted by. Um, the, the only one that if they didn't have such a bad fixture this game week, um, I would be slightly more tempted in although it would block me from another Arsenal asset, is Raya, um, because he's been pretty good since um, since he came in for Arsenal. Doesn't look like he's losing his place anytime soon. Um, the next Arsenal-Brentford clash, I think, is game week 28. So he's got quite a few week, weeks before we have to worry about him missing a match as well. But he's, a, I think, 4.9 now, so on the expensive side for a keeper. Um, outside of that, Anana maybe, but the fixtures aren't great and you just never really trust the clean sheets there, even though they are sort of ticking over clean sheet wise. Then maybe after that Martinez, but again, he's on the expensive side. Um, yeah, it's I've really got nowhere I'd look at the moment other than maybe Dubravka for a couple of weeks, but yeah. because we don't have the wild card yeah, in our we back can't, pocket. We, we, can't, we can't go there, can we really? Not really, unless, unless we sold. So one option I am exploring is selling Turner for Dubravka then I only have to worry about him for a couple of weeks and then hopefully oh, okay. Sanchez is back by the time that that's a problem. So that is one angle I'm potentially exploring because that shores me up for a couple of game weeks and then hopefully Sanchez is back by the time Dubravka potentially loses his place anyway. But yeah, in in theory, I don't want to have to be making a transfer on a goalkeeper again, having just done so, and especially not for a minus four. Um, so we'll yeah. see how the week plans out, pans out even. But for the time being, I'm really hoping that um, Chelsea get Sanchez back fit again and I can rely on him ASAP. I mean, I see what happens with Petrovic. Obviously, kept the uh, yeah. kept in against Sheffield United. So, yeah, I, 
with, with a knee problem and unknown. Uh, I think Chelsea are quite nebulous about when a player's back anyway. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those I think we're going to have to solve sooner rather than later because, I mean, as Mark mentioned, it wasn't the best performance by Turner. I can imagine this week we're going to not have a goalkeeper. And then the week after in game week, uh, game week 19, we're probably going to be looking at making, uh, having to sort that out. And I don't know. I, 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 part of me just thinks, yeah, I'm just going to just shove Pickford in um, as the cheapest goalkeeper who's got good data and just leave it be. It's, it's not not sexy. It's not pretty. No goalkeeper transfer ever is. Maybe if there's a kind of a, a Man City double game week on the horizon, I would look at Edison. No, I wouldn't. No, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, never going there again. A bit like Darwin Nunez, who I think we should probably mention here. <laughs> FPL Kudos <laughs> asks, where does Darwin rank in the history of the worst FPL picks ever in terms of Twitter hype versus reality? And I remember a young man um, before the season. I don't know, Sam, do you remember this? Um, who, no. Who gave a bold <laughs> tone for the season that Darwin would score 20-plus goals. <laughs> it's called um, bold claims for a reason, Tom. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the data was always good, so I thought I'd take a shot at it. It doesn't look like it's coming off at all. And I, I, I'll i say it uh, every single week. There is a player in there, but he needs to be so much more well, well-tempered. He needs to get his shooting boots on. He needs to be consistent. It could it could happen for him in a Liverpool shirt. It might not ever at this point. He's been there a season and a half, so maybe it's just one of those players that is just going to underperform the the underlying data forever. Um, he's extremely frustrating to watch. He seemingly just misses all all of the easiest chances that he's given at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, the bold claim is not looking good at this point. There was a moment earlier on in the season where I might, I, I felt a little bit more confident. I was like, this is, I think it was after the Newcastle game when he netted twice, like sensationally as well. I think he came on as a, from a, from the bench and he looked phenomenal, but that has just been fits and starts and not, not really ever consistently strung those performances together. So yeah, I'm more than willing to give up on that bowl claim halfway through the season already. Mm, fair play. I mean, uh, Mark, before we get to you, um, I'm going to bring in Luan Delay as well, who asked, how do we escape groupthink from content creators while sort of listening to them? I think you were quite good in terms of being insulated from that. Um, you just kind of thought, you know what, I'm just going to, if in doubt, do now, leave it, not buy in Darwin, leave Watkins there, and you got the benefit from it. Um, do you think this is pervasive in FPL um, in terms of just, oh, we you know, me and Sam talking about it, but you see everyone kind of posting their teams before the deadline and you think, oh, everyone's going there. Well, maybe I should. And I think that to our discredit, Sam and I maybe both were slightly influenced by that. Um, so how do we escape this group think um, while still listening to content creators that we love? Yeah, it's really, it's really difficult. Um, I think it's the nature of the game nowadays. You know, so many people are kind of guided by who they listen to and they watch and stuff like that. And even subconsciously, they might not think they're making a move because of something they've heard or read or or the whole group think or the, you know, following the sheep or the herd or whatever. But it happens. And I think this week highlighted it to me with Solanke because I think I read that Solanke got 1 million new owners, which is absolutely insane in game week 16 game week 17 of a season when you think a lot of people have already stopped playing the game to get 1 million new signings is it, it blew my mind um obviously a, a decent pick good fixtures 
having a good season, but he plays for Bournemouth. And, you know, of course, there's other options out there as well. So that was a big one for me in terms of the whole groupthink thing and, and kind of where FPL is nowadays. That once, you know, a couple of years ago, even four or five years ago, you'd have a bandwagon and a few people would jump on. But now, basically, nobody gets left behind. Um, and often those that do get left behind end up getting run over by that train because, you know, quite often they are they are good picks for a good reason and they end up doing well. But then you've got the Darwin example. Um, and, I, you know, thinking back to when that opportunity arose to get Darwin for Watkins, I I think I was, in, in many ways, I was just lucky that I had something else to deal with because I think I had a midfielder injury. So for me, it would have been a minus four. And people will know by now, it takes a lot for me to take a minus four. Um, only taken two all season. So my kind of conservative approach, which I kind of put into play almost every game week uh, and over the long term, it, it helps you to avoid these scenarios. But I'm not saying it was a good idea to avoid them because, you know, even I, I remember going into this season like Sam thinking this this could be a big season for Darwin Nunes. And uh, from what I've seen so far, I fancy him to actually put it all together this year and, and with Klopp to figure it out and, and actually score the goals. And I'm feeling, I just feel like I've dodged a bullet in many ways because I could have easily been there as well if I didn't have, I don't know if it was Bowen or Madison or somebody, I had something to deal with that week and that's why I didn't do it. If it was a free transfer, I think I probably would have. Um, and again, another factor in that was I was on Ollie Watkins from game week one. So I'm very loyal. If a player's done well for me, it takes a lot for me to sell them. Yeah, Villa are playing well, Watkins is playing well. So it was it was easy for easy for me to keep, even though you know the fixtures might have not have been have been brilliant on paper. So there was a lot of things at play there. Um and I certainly didn't expect it to play out the way it has with Darwin doing absolutely yeah. nothing. No, it's um yeah, I mean we've we've both uh, been guilty. I, I think it's you know you always get kind of the questions, oh you or at least you get the comments, oh content creators always say that blah 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 is really good and when we don't do anything, they're silent on it. Sam and I are both equally guilty. I think maybe I'm gonna blame Sam more. <laughs> just use the bold claim, but we're both equally guilty of laying down um the fact that Darwin obviously had the numbers um to make him into what looked like on paper a very good pick, but it's it's just the case that no, we've, we've both got eyes. <laughs> we can both see, but yes, the non-pen XGI per 90 is, is, is pretty prodigious, um, but it's just not quite worked out. But yeah, no, I completely take on board what you're saying. And to be honest, I think we probably both, as we said a few weeks ago, probably not do it again if we had our time again. Um, I think we would have both wanted more time to make the decision and maybe not have been sat looking at everything at at the time of making a decision and executing that decision, then maybe that would have, that kind of had a little bit of a, an impact. Um, but yes, it's, it's definitely one that uh, is, it's, it's an isolated sort of decision, isn't it? Because as you said, as you kind of infer Mark, I mean, a lot of the time content creators, including us, are, try, are making, uh, are making judgments and kind of giving advice or opinions, at least in our case, which are, evidence they are reasons and with darwin there was evidence there was reason behind why we went with him it didn't work out and i think that yes if you've kind of watched him and not really looked at the data then that would make complete sense why it's been an absolute screw up <laughs> but equally um there were definitely some there was definitely some modicum of, of a foundation of reality behind why i went with him so i think yeah there's regret but there's kind of equally looking at the big chances missed looking at every kind of little moment where he could have been played in, where he hesitated when he could have shot, when all these sort of things happened, where 
it could have worked out differently. And so, yeah, it's, it's always one that's quite difficult. And in terms of kind of just trying to insulate yourself from <laughs> negativity, I suppose, negative decisions, trying to listen to content creators, is we always say it, just 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 make sure that you do your own research through Andile and, and do your own thing too. And don't be afraid, as Mark said earlier on when he was talking about his views and ownership to think well okay I, I see what everyone else is doing but here's what i think and i think the most satisfying moments in fpl are when you go with what you think compared to what everyone else thinks and that goes well i'm not saying that's going to happen all the time but normally unless you're you know selling salad before you saw the hat trick or something like that um normally it's not going to hurt you too much if it goes wrong and it will be a massive benefit if it goes right and those are the most satisfying moments i think when they do go right when you have gone against the group thing. So just, just kind of do your own thing and have your own sort of kind of space outside of what content creators are saying, outside of what social media is saying. It made me think about it when you were saying it, just to have your own space and your own kind of ideas. It's I've always done it, just the watch list on the FPL website. You know, I always yeah. keep it quite small and I will never buy a player. When I make my transfers on a Thursday or Friday, I only ever buy from the watch list. So if I'm not feeling it with Darwin, and he's not on the watch list. If a bandwagon takes off, I won't buy him because he's not there. And it, I'm thinking about a recent example. Last week, I I added Kulisevsky and Brennan Johnson to the watch list, and I didn't add Richarlison, maybe because of previous experiences and stuff like that. But I'm a little bit more reluctant to go for Richarlison, maybe as other people. Others will jump on him more quickly than I will. But that's a good example. If if um, let's say Richarlison was the got one million new buys last week like Solanke did, I wouldn't have bought him because he wasn't on my watch list. So it, it might mean I'm a week later to the party, but it helps me to avoid the the whole group thing thing. And I'm really just tunnel visioned on, on those players that I want to buy soon. And if I miss a player by a week or two, I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. So it just helps you to kind of, maybe that's a way of kind of blocking out the noise on, on certain players. Yeah, the eye test is also quite key, isn't it, Sam, on that sort of thing? Um, because, I mean, I Richarlison... For me, I went with Kulisevsky when I had the choice a few weeks ago because I see Kulisevsky. I know that he's not potentially the best in front of goal, but I kind of see him as being a better player almost. And I felt that there were more sort of roots with assists or hopefully some sort of like curls in delicious long shot compared to Richarlison, who I owned in the past and played for Everton that year when Dominic Cavalier was really on fire. And I knew Richarlison misfiring everywhere and I owned him that time. And it kind of stays in your mind, doesn't it, almost, from kind of what you see with your eye, which I know a lot of people don't like, but it's still quite valid to some extent. And if I'm touching what Mark is saying as well, it meant that Richarlison was never a kind of on my watch list and never became kind of a mental watch list, that is, and never kind of became part of uh, any sort of discussion I had at that point. I suppose that's important, isn't it, still? Yeah, and I, I think that plays into our guts as FPL managers and what one of my my favorite sayings I suppose I, I guess it's a quote but I don't know the exact quote is like the gut feeling is much stronger for people who have played like played this game for a lot longer or, or done something specific for a, for a long period of time they've got loads of experience in it so whether or not they consciously know what that why they think that something is right or wrong because of all of their years of experience in something they know just through gut feeling that a player is going to be good or bad or maybe there's something off with them um whereas i, I think there's also something to 
to mention here on sort of the flip side, which is always be open to the eye test also changing your mind over time as well. So I think at the start of the season, what you've just said about Richarlison was completely valid. However, in probably the last couple of game weeks, I think he has actually, just to the eye, looked a lot sharper. He's been getting into those spaces at the right time, finding those pockets of space in the box and just looks like a player that is free from injury. All of a sudden, he looks much more mobile. His turn of pace has improved. So I am open to changing my mind on him. Whereas in the past, I think earlier on this season, he wouldn't have ever appeared on my yeah. watch list either based on what not only the data, but also what we're seeing with our own eyes and the experiences we've had with him. But players can change um, and yeah. the data will take a while to catch up. But I think Richarlison's one that I'm open to potentially changing my mind on over the next couple of weeks. I think the, the I can't remember who said it, but the, the, the quote that always sticks in mind for me when it comes to FPL is strong opinions loosely held. And, mm. and that, that's very strong um, when it comes to Ollie Watkins, for example. Like, I remember a few years ago, I'm not going to name them, but there was an FPL account who wrote, you know, Ollie Watkins can you know, believe in your dreams and you too can become an England striker. Um, because I think there was a perception fairly, and that was a season where he scored 168 points, I think, to, to 2021, his first year for, uh, in, F, in, in the Premier League, uh, where a lot of people who looked at him and just thought, oh, you know, he doesn't doesn't do anything. And I, I think the definite that we reflect on the podcast as well, that, oh, you know, Wally Watkins misses a lot, blah, blah, blah. But I think that holding, holding fast to opinions um, can mean that you end up down rabbit holes and you can end up kind of, I, I suppose, sort of, creating that sort of sunk cost that we speak about a lot about a certain player and you back yourself into a cul-de-sac into a cold into a corner and it's good to be able to kind of not do that yes okay you might not like a player very much as in in a football sense but in in an fpl sense you've got to be open to the fact that a player can um flower or a player can under a certain manager a certain system suddenly out of nowhere become a player who's suddenly in your team um, and I don't think it kind of does anyone any good if you kind of hold fast to kind of older ideas about what a player is. Because there are those people who look at Watkins, for example, and think, oh, not for me. You know, he's a bad finisher, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, the data doesn't lie this year and hasn't lied for the last few years. So, yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. All right, um, I'm aware of time is. So should we move on to transfers and captains and see what we're doing this week, Sam? Yeah, I think uh, your team's first up this week, Tom. God, too much of me. All right. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm torn. So Mark was saying about goalkeeper transfer earlier on, but I know he's got a wild card, so it's probably it's a slightly different scenario for me. Um, I've got Turner versus Bournemouth, and I've got, I think there's a 50-50 chance of best of him playing. But the rest of the team is kind of all right. And we've got Porro, uh, Shimakas at home to Arsenal. Yeah, White. I'm playing White over Saliba again. Uh, but I think that he's got more upside. Um, so I think I'll be playing him over Saliba again. Um, Gordon, Martinelli, I've got to keep him for Liverpool, I think. I thought it was Martinelli. There's always going to be, I've got to keep him for X, Y, and Z. But he'll go eventually. Uh, Palmer. Salah and Son, who's the vice. And then Darwin, I think he gets one more ride, honestly, again. And uh, Ollie Watkins, probably the standout captain. Um, and things I could do, I could sell Darwin. I could move a goalkeeper on. But I, I don't know, I, I just kind of feel like it, it might be worth a bit of a roll, especially because the Thursday deadline, I think that's going to be quite big. We're going to get a smaller amount of press conferences before the game is effectively live. There's going to be lots that's going to be going on. 
may well get the Aston Villa press conference. I'm, I'm sure we will, but I'm sure probably unless we hear something kind of has really gone down about Watkins, I'm pretty sure we'll probably be all right there. And it, it, I know it, it feels like it lends itself to an if in doubt, do not situation this game week. I mean, there, as I said, there are things I could do, um, but I've got to kind of be mindful of the fact that I want to be getting Holland back, maybe even in game week 19 um, by selling the no-hopers, aka Martinelli and Darwin. So having two free transfers with the with the, with the Holland plan in place probably makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I'll see what happens with the goalkeeper. But at the end of the day, it's not mission critical to be removing either of those. So it may well be a role for me. Leave it. And then, <laughs> God, on Christmas Day, uh, towards the end, when I'm sozzled full of... Christmas food, probably I think comatose on the cheese board. I'm buying loads of cheese this year, Sam. It's gonna be amazing. And um, but yes, nice. uh, comatose on the cheese board. Um, having having that last beer that no one should be having, but I'm gonna have. I think at that point I'll get my get my phone out and be like, well, I'm gonna make some transfers, and hopefully next week, Sam, on Saturday, we're gonna be in a place where we can advise each other on what we're going to be doing. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's probably going to be me. I, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens this week and everything that goes on. No, there's a Carabao Cup, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm minded to roll right now, given the fact that we're not going to have any news um, apart from ITK news, which is the worst sort of news. So yeah, that's kind of where I am. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm next up. So yeah, similar to you with the goalkeeper issue, only one free transfer. So I'll only make that manoeuvre if there's nothing else I need to do. I probably am more willing to make that manoeuvre for free um, this week rather than necessarily save a transfer and ro roll into game week uh, 19 because I can do that Harlem move in one. So again, ideally I would roll. That would be fantastic. But I feel like there might be one or two issues that I could resolve this week. I think Lascelles, if I'm lucky gets the Luton game um, due to the the Shah potential injury. But worst case scenario, if he doesn't play, then Saliba or Taylor can come in. Um, obviously, Taylor getting a clean sheet in any game is fairly unlikely. So I might just back Saliba just through team quality um, over over Taylor and just have him as the, the first sub. And then if Lascelles is benched, it's fairly unlikely he comes on at all. Um, and then outside of that, the only other issue really as it stands is probably Darwin. But a bit like you, I'll give him this game week because I've got a ready-made replacement um, in Haaland coming back in in 19. Um, if somehow we become more confident that Turner does start against Bournemouth, I could get a little bit clever and maybe do a one-week punt on Solanke for Darwin. But I think that just seems like overthinking it at this, at this point. And I'd probably be better off just rolling the transfer in that scenario if I can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's probably a goalkeeper transfer, if anything, um, as it stands. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's too much I really need to be doing with this eleven right now. Um, and Saliba is a decent enough first sub, even against Liverpool away from home. OK, so uh, Mark's last up. Yeah, so one free transfer available. I've got the Turner-Johnston combo, which is problematic, but with one or two game weeks left with this set of players, 
I probably will just leave it because, I mean, it's Christmas. I'm not going to be, why do I want to make a goalkeeper transfer with one of my last few transfers before a whole new team comes in? So the front seven, I'm happy with. Son, Palmer, Saka, Salah, Gordon. Watkins will probably be captained against Jeff United and Solanke is up front. So even just thinking about your teams and what you guys are thinking, you know, there's talk about rolling transfers, there's talk about possible goalkeeper transfers. I'm thinking, where's my opportunity here? When I'm mm. card and soon, where's my one-week punt or my two-week punt? And I've kind of always been eyeing up this week as a possible route back to Trippier, but it's obviously fitness-dependent. Yeah. Um, he There's loads of cash in the bank because Haaland's gone. Gabriel plays Liverpool away, which I don't like. And a lot of people will be forced to play their Arsenal defenders this week because of the, the City blank. So Gabriel to Trippier is a possibility. I could even do Shimakis to Trippier. Um, mm. just, I'd, I'd, like, you know, I'd like that. That looks yeah. really, really great. Yeah, a good transfer yeah. to make. Just, just it feels, it like feels it. like an exciting dead-end transfer for one week or two weeks before the wild card. And you're hoping then just to spike uh, you know, a Trippier performance with a clean sheet and three bonus or, or something like that. So I think that's where the most obvious upside is possibly. When, when the front seven's already fine, when I'm not really too bothered, even if I had no goalkeeper, I mean... I'm not gonna not gonna stress too much about that. So I think there's a very good chance Trippier, Trippier will come in if if there's good news on his fitness, etc. Towards the end of the week. Yeah, fair play. No, it's looking good. And um, we're all caps in Watkins um, by the looks of it, which is a uh, uh, probably a bit of an ipso facto. Um, but I mean, maybe there's some consideration for Son if you're looking to a differential. But it feels like Ollie, Ollie Watkins is going to guest star as the Holland replacement for one week. Excellent. Well, I think that's your lot. Yeah, I think it is. And uh, we've nearly gone over an hour and a half. Um, so hopefully you've stuck with us and hopefully you've enjoyed uh, the podcast this week. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. As always, you can find us on X at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find myself at FPL Pricey. And Mark, I believe you're just at FPL General, all one word. Yeah, that's correct. Perfect. And on Instagram and threads, we're WGTA.FPL. And again, I'm just FPL Pricey on there. And again, assuming just all one word, FPL General for you, Mark. Yeah, nice and simple. So, um, yeah, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the pod, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could follow us on those social channels um, and potentially give the pod a five-star rating if you're listening in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. And of course, if you're watching along on YouTube, if you could give uh the video a like and subscribe to the channel that would be really appreciated as well uh in the meantime though uh thank you all for listening and uh thanks so much for coming on mark really appreciated you uh, joining the show and it was good fun chatting yeah i really enjoyed that lads thanks for the i say invite but i know this just happens every year anyway and i'm, <laughs> I'm already looking forward to next december god knows what kind of players we'll be talking about then but all i'm left to say is keep up the good work lads and i hope you both have a lovely christmas yeah, thanks so much. Uh, thanks, Sam. Thanks, Mark, for coming on. All the best for you and your, your family this Christmas. Uh, all the best to Sonny as well. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed the pods. We hope we assisted you. We're back next Saturday uh, before the Chelsea Wolves game on Christmas Eve. I mean, who's going to be podding on Christmas Eve? So we're going to pod the day before. Um, but yes, uh, have a good week and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Hope you enjoyed. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.